that I'm thinking of you, that I'm I'm connected to you and you're in my life. And that I do feel like that warm kind of exchange is very nourishing to our relationship. Welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicki, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi mom. Hello Ingrid. Let's talk about communication creativity. (laughs) Okay, that's a good idea. We talked about that. We're doing a little series here. We've been talking about creativity for the last couple of weeks. And now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of a few specific topics. So in communication, we often come up against things that feel tricky or aren't straightforward. So where are the places when we are creative in our communication that we don't maybe think of as creativity right away? That's what I'd like to talk about today. Yeah. So we base this whole idea off of John Cleese's book called Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide. So the first sentence of his book we already read, but I'm just going to reread it. It says, by creativity, I mean new ways of thinking about things. And then he says, most people think of creativity as being entirely about arts, music, paintings, theater, movies, dancing, sculpture, etc., etc. But this simply isn't so. Creativity can be seen in every area of life, in science, in business, in sport, wherever you can find a way of doing things that is better than what has been done before, you are being creative. Another myth is that creativity is something you have to be born with. This isn't the case. Everyone can be creative. Such a good opening and really, really applicable for the kind of things that we want to talk about through the rest of the series. But if it's not art, where else are we creative? I like this concept of creativity and it goes beautifully hand in glove with growth mindset. In the parent education classes I teach, in the work with people I have uh, to develop their underlying processing skills, it's the ultimate growth mindset. And a growth mindset ultimately is John Cleese's definition of creativity. Where can you do something different that you haven't done before? Mm -hmm. So with regard to that, I definitely have had a growth mindset in communication with you all. And I think Mm. probably most parents do. Most parents that continue in relationship with their children as they grow have creativity and have a growth mindset because they find new ways of doing things, new ways of communicating. And sometimes... As I'm thinking about being in the sandwich generation, thinking about my parents and my children, uh, I go back to older ways of communication with a new perspective, with a new creative perspective. So Mm -hmm. when I think about communicating with my parents now, I think, well, what, what does my mom like? And we touched on this when we had Nicola be our guest speaker on living with an older parent. But when I recently visited with my my mom and dad, I thought, you know, what, what are the things that I know that my mom likes to do? So she likes to do puzzles that aren't too hard. She likes to play the 
piano and sing. And what does my dad like to do? He likes to watch uh, Hallmark movies right now. <laughs> he likes to talk about his family history, his memories of different places he's lived. Uh, my mom likes to go on walks and talk about her Bible studies. So actively being creative to think about like, what do they like to talk about? I mean, some people might just call it generous. <laughs> or common sense. It could also be called just common sense, but it is creative. It takes an element of creativity and um, having the approach that when I talk to my parents, I'm going to be creative. That can be kind of life-giving and stimulating and interesting rather than just like, uh, what am I going to talk to them about kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's right. I think adding the word generous to creativity is a a great move. It feels similar to me to the way that Audrey was connecting courage and creativity last week, mm -hmm. where it's okay to sort of recognize that there's sort of a jump past your comfort zone when you do something creative. It, like I don't know that it is common sense necessarily, because it's the most common sense within myself is to just like think about the things that I care about. <laughs> so it does. I mean, it definitely takes a hand of generosity to reach outside myself into something that they want to do. And I just like that both of those words that you used, creativity and generosity, are pretty positive words. Because I think especially parent-child, you're talking about your parents, and of course I'm talking to my parent now. It's a really specific and sometimes tenuous relationship. And so in any relationship that has a lot of history, I think it's easy to feel mm -hmm. stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to come up against places that are like, I I've hit a brick wall. I, I don't know how else to talk to her. You know, something like that, which is totally valid and like happens to everyone. So if we can reframe those brick walls into opportunities for creativity, that's exactly what you just said about a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can think of a few times in, in my life growing up that you were really creative in your communication with me. Hmm. We've talked before about how part of part of the transition into adulthood for me is realizing all the times that you sort of like took the reins of our relationship and shepherded me and guided me. And that's what a parent does. But it takes two to tango, really. So now that's sort of shifting. I just say that to say like you took the reins and figured out how to be creative when our relationship felt like it needed some creativity. So we've talked quite a bit about how college was pretty hard, where it was like a lot of relational and emotional and communication disconnects between us. And I think this podcast is actually a really good example of a way that you were incredibly creative when you thought, okay, Ingrid's going to go move across the country. Last time she did that, it was pretty painful and like it was not a smooth transition. So if she's going to do that again, like, how do I stay connected with her? I mean, you can talk about your thought process. You've th talked about it before. But I mean, not everyone thinks about creating a podcast with your daughter in order to stay connected to them. And of course, there's a lot of reasons that we've created this podcast. And it's morphed from just something that's helped us to something that I really feel passionate about in a larger sense. But it really started with you saying, how do we connect to each other? And we know that it's easier to talk to someone when there's a third person in the room, you know, when you feel like there's some some precedent for being cordial and putting your best foot forward, which doesn't always happen in a familial baggaged relationship. Well, it's interesting when you said that I was like, oh, yeah, that that is. But there is what what I think thinking of having a third person in the room does is it does help you. It helps you be a little bit more kind. It helps you be more generous. So I don't know that it always helps you be more 
open or honest, but it does help typically. I mean, if you're a person with a conscience and polite at all, it helps you be more (laughs) kind and generous when you're speaking to the other person, I think. So as kind of our mission on this and the goal is to cultivate a raw and honest and transparent communication with each other. So we aim to do that as much as possible in this. I think one thing that comes to mind when talking about communicating creatively is framing words. And that that is something that we have used when you were little to help you understand, like we're, if we were going to have a corrective conversation, we tried to have some kind of a framing word ab- about it. So by framing words, I mean the picture frame that you hang around the picture inside. So this is the topic. Here's the picture. And here's, this is what it's about. The topic is the, the frame that holds it in. And I, I like the idea of even using framing words because it says that you you have some self-control that you're only going to talk about what's inside the picture frame. <laughs> Your dad and I have had to work on uh, that. I especially had to because I tend to be kind of a matrix thinker instead of a linear thinker. And so I like, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of this and this and this. And I go all over the place. But that's not usually helpful when you're trying to talk about a devil, delicate, difficult subject. It's usually better to say, okay, we're just going to deal with this d- subject. Here's the frame. This is the topic of conversation today. And inside that, we will leave it to there. And we're not going to solve all the questions or all the conversations and every little matrix thought that you have. Some of those are going to need to be, um, they're not in the frame today. So what are some (laughs) of those phrases that you use that are like formative conversation things? I mean, in one sense, this is maybe slightly different than what you're talking about, but we know that I feel statements are great frames for the beginning of a of a hard conversation. Mm. I feel whatever mm-hmm. starts a hard conversation, it also makes you vulnerable and it is not a blame statement. Yeah. I we've also talked about, I mean, this is just like per family, but we've named things like mad subjects, for instance. It's like a great frame. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We yeah. say, okay, this is a mad subject when we're expecting that this subject is going to bring up a lot of raw emotions. And we name it that way to begin with. So that it's the topic that has the madness and not the relationship. Mm-hmm. Just to say out front that this this is a motion that's coming mm-hmm. to the front right here. One thing that I have added as a growth mindset to my communication is talking about things. The first thing that comes out of my mouth oftentimes being a rough draft. Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we've added in the last few years a lot of like update your opinion or can we circle back? Yes, those three phrases right there that um, being willing to say, you know, this like the, it's kind of like when people process out loud. That's a good way to the, yeah say that too. There's a lot of people that process out loud. Your dad processes out loud much more than I do. I don't process out loud very much. I don't either. So when I when I say something, chances are I've thought about it for quite a bit. <laughs> but you know what? That's a good point because I don't say anything out loud either. And I had a really hard conversation with someone a few weeks ago. And in the first conversation, which was hard, I didn't say much because mm. then I went and journaled it out. 
And I realized that I had to come back and circle back around. And so that formative conversation for me is that I knew I practiced beforehand, starting it with, here's something to know about me. I process mm. through journaling. Mm. And so I really appreciated our first conversation. And I do have a lot more that I feel like I know how to say now. Can I share those thoughts? That's good. And was it received? Yeah, it was. It was really, yeah. I feel like it was like a dual purpose of this is a hard topic I'm bringing back up again. And... I want you to learn more about me. I want to share more about myself with you. Here's some really good context for the way that my brain works. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I think I could receive it that way. That's interesting. I, I go in spurts in my life where I journal a lot. And right mm -hmm. now... I haven't journaled a lot. But when I was your age uh, and uh, dating your dad before we were engaged and married or whatever, when I was considering it, I journaled <laughs> a lot. And so written communication, talking about creativity and communication, written communication is definitely a way uh, to communicate creatively. And it's interesting because with our uh, modern times, we tend to communicate in like tweets. <laughs> what is it? A hundred, 130 characters or texts. So text is a, is a pretty com common communication. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't always convey emotion. And that's why we've developed emojis. Emojis. <laughs> so that's kind of, it's kind of fun. You can communicate creatively via text, but also you can communicate a lot more of your heart, which also is a draft when you journal. Mm, that's exactly right. When I dated your dad, I journaled a lot. And he said one time, can I read your journal? Because you could tell I was upset on the telephone back in the day oh, when, yeah. we used, when we used landline <laughs> telephones. And so I said, yes. So we met at a restaurant and he read it. And I had just like poured out my heart and had all my matrix questions all over the place just all over yeah <laughs> and he read it and he like just like stirred up a lot of anger in him and he looked at me and then he looked down and he read the whole thing again and then we talked through it so yeah it was a, just a huge test of <laughs> Yeah, that's a who too chess for both of you. Because you're right. I think I probably would have been like, well, I would like to talk about it. I just like needed to see it first. Right. Yeah. That's like a different level of vulnerability to be like, just take a walk through my brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if he asked to read it or if I offered. If I offered to for someone to read my journal, which has happened before in my life, I have created a final draft in my journal. <laughs> <laughs> I will jumble it all out and then I'll flip the page and write it nicely. <laughs> Edited. Here's the condensed. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, then it is a letter, which is worthwhile. Yes, yeah. I love letters. And we, yeah, that is actually another way that we communicate often. In middle school, another way that you were creative in, the, in our communication, I think you started this before middle school, but I remember it being really helpful mm. in those like tween years, um, is that you, you like gave me a journal that you would write a little note and place on my pillow, and then I could write a note back and place on your pillow. So they were like little pen pal things back and forth. But I don't know that we used it all that often, but I do understand it as like a tool for communicating with your hypersensitive, over-embarrassed middle schooler that just doesn't know how to engage with the world, you know? It was a beautiful, actually, Dad and I both uh, did that with you guys. 
I don't think we did it with Audrey, but we did it with you and Ellen. We had mommy Ingrid journals or daddy Ingrid journals. And we got that idea. So creativity can come from other people. We got that idea from a friend of ours who had the mom had cancer and she had at least three, maybe four, I can't remember, three daughters. We went We went to college with them. We actually uh, rented their apartment after they, they rented it first. And then theirs is the first apartment we moved into after we got married. So she was a friend of ours and she had cancer and was in the hospital a lot. And her oldest daughter was a tween, probably 12 or 14. And she used to have a a mommy-daughter journal. And I think that it was really relevant to them because mom was quite sick and she didn't have a lot of energy, but she could write. And so, and then her daughter poured out her heart and her journal to her mom. Jeez, that's really beautiful. Mom did not live. Mom died of cancer. So, So it was very like deep and weighty. And then I think when they wrote to each other, that was probably deep. I feel like ours was kind of fluff and short little paragraphs. and But it was a way, it was a creative way to communicate. And I think it was kind of fun to, you know, find the journal on your pillow or under your it pillow totally was. at nighttime. Definitely fun, even if it was just fluff, because I do think it also just set a precedent. And one thing that you did later, I think dad especially loves this now that we are long distance, is that he will write like sort of long rambly letters and send them, which is also sweet. That I find is a wonderful, creative way to be communicative because it has to be creative. You have to think about things that you're not going to tell them on the phone that night. Yes. You know, it's, it's a good way to think past the how's the weather, how's your day. You know, one one thing that dad, he heard from someone else that he, uh, his like rule for letters is that you just keep writing. So you don't stop to edit and you don't stop to like have, you, you actually like want the matrix thoughts because he'll like in the the letter be like so that's just what I was thinking about and you can kind of tell that that was the end of his thought and then he starts to be like so I'm sitting here and the birds are tweeting and you know what that reminds me of and you just watch his whole thought process and it's like having a real conversation with him and they're like four pages long (laughs) I kind of marvel at those long long letters that he writes but he does write a lot of setting yes he does he does which I yeah they become almost like small little like vignettes like novelish novella ish but they yeah they're delightful because because they ex- get you to think outside the box the other thing that i was going to think about in that way actually does come back to text which is using text at, for inconsequential information. I've noticed recently, actually in my life, with the people that I love very deeply but don't see very often, it's easy to use text just as like the scheduling mechanism for the call when I'm actually going to Zoom you and like spend time. I was, ex- I was thinking the other day that like I was texting my sister Ellen and I realized that I actually don't text her very often just to be like, hey, thought of you. Or look at this funny thing. I sort of interact with her differently than I do with my castmates right now who I see, you know, eight hours a day in the shows. And we have all of these, like, immediate inside jokes that I can reference later in a text and, like, do this sort of funny texting thing. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I think, another way to sort of be creative in a relationship that you would like to be really present in. Is that being present in a relationship or in communication needs to be more than the hard conversations and the important conversations. Like the the way that you really become real friends is is to think about each other and like reference banal things just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I think like Ellen texted me the other day and sent me a song and she was like, you should learn this. I think your voice would be great, which was incredible. But then I could have just been like, wow, thanks for thinking of me. And instead. 
I jumped into like a little bit more silly banter in a way that I actually don't interact with her very often because I don't see her very often. But it's much more familial and like friendly to be like, wow, you're right. Here's the person I like who said that. I, you know, you just like create a conversation that happens with emojis too. It happens with memes all the time. I love a good meme conversation or gif conversation. Do you have a do you have gif conversations, mom? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Those like little like videos, you know, like short yes. ones. Thank you for okay. defining it for me. I'm yes, so sorry. I do have uh, I do have a text chat with a small group of friends. Uh, there's like four or five of us in it, and um, t- there's a, well, actually, the other three frequently, not frequently, but they the other three send gifts, especially around someone's birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just what's fun about it is that, of course, it's like sending a certain sentiment based on your conversation, but it's mm-hmm. also acknowledging a shared other experience. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like because I, I will you say, all like, are like, oh, that movie. You know? Or, yeah, The Office is a, pr- a frequent GIF, a popular mm-hmm. GIF. But it's also per relationship because my college mm-hmm. friends and I consistently send Princess Bide gifts and Pride and Prejudice gifts. Mm-hmm. And that's like a different niche thing. It's like, this is a thing we love and it pertains to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to communicate. That's a good. And the, see here, here there's this is where the, the generational thing can be valuable. I can learn mm-hmm. from you. What is a new creative way to communicate? And it's kind of funny when grandma, like your grandma on your dad's side, she sends those bitmojis sometimes. Oh, yes. She does love bitmojis. <laughs> so, those are yeah, silly. Yeah, that's a different different way to communicate. So at the end of this, we've sort of like ended up brainstorming a lot of good ways to communicate. But I think the heart behind all of it is it's okay if you feel like you need to like find a new way to connect with a person. It doesn't have to be fluid all the time a lot of times a relationship can devolve to logistics and then you can feel less connected and less kind of emotional and positive and definitely the parent child of a teen can evolve devolve to logistics because the teen we've often talked about who gets the first fruits of your emotion and when you transfer who gets the first fruits of your emotion from your parent to your um, new friend friends or something like that, then then you know, then it's hard for the parent. I can feel sad and left out and lonely or dropped. <laughs> and having those other ways to communicate those like like the the gifts or the funny little things or or a voice memo. I have intentionally interacted with you three on on uh, different occasions that way just to show you that I'm thinking of you that yeah I'm I'm connected to you and you're in my life and that I do feel like that warm kind of exchange is very um nourishing to our relationship yeah and what you're talking about here is something that I actually heard John Green quote Donald Hall is a poet and when his wife died he wrote a he wrote, he wrote about his relationship with her and what he basically says, what we did was love. We did not spend our days gazing into each other's eyes. We did that gazing when we made love or when there was one of us was in trouble. But most of the time, our gazes met and entwined as they looked at a third thing. Third things are essential to marriages. Objects or practices or habits or art or institutions or games or human beings that provide a site of joint rapture and contentment. 
Each member of the couple is separate. The two come together in double attention. Which is beautiful, firstly, just to think about. But I think that's exactly what we're saying. Like, even with something as silly as, like, a meme or a gif, it's like, look, let me, like, put to the surface again this third thing that both of us love and we love that the other person loves it. And that, like, reinforces our relationship and the, the like, multitude of ways that we connect to each other more than just saying hi. That is the essence of this podcast, and which also was inspired by John and Hank Green. You know, you're right. <laughs> and they said, thank you, John and Hank Green. We need to give them some more credit. <laughs> they s said, you know, like, how do you do a podcast or a, a vlog with your brother? And they said, we needed to go on a quest together. We needed a quest, which is that that's the third thing. So this is our quest together. The other thing someone said to a, a pastor a counselor pastor said to dad and I is you need to find something new to do together that neither of you have done before. So that's also a third thing. We recently, we just took a trip to Lake Superior, mm. dad and I with your sister, and we had never been there together before. And we went to the Apostle Islands where I have never been. I've been to Duluth, but never uh, Apostle Islands. So it was so special and fun and, and memory creating because neither of us had done it. So neither of us was the expert. We were both coming at whatever we did creatively. That was really special to do that together. So when you feel like you're in a rut in your communication, find a third thing to communicate about and maybe be creative about a new platform of communication. Yeah, our, our family is not really, uh, we don't spiral around sports too often, but a lot of people uh, use sports as that third thing. Yeah, I mean, John, after he quoted that poet, also mentioned his third things with his wife. And he was like, obviously, our children are our biggest third thing. Yes. Between the two of us. But... Then he was like, the TV show, The Americans, going to art museums, national parks. Like, these are all third things that we have. Books. So I think in our family, music is a big third thing. Mm. Cooking is a big third thing. Books, not, you know, literature is a big third thing. It's kind of it's kind of beautiful to like, think about those and make that an exercise. You know what? And that is an interesting thing. What happens when you move up and out? And we're almost ready to be empty nesters, too, because your sister's going to college in a month. A lot of marriages fall apart. Because their only third thing is their children. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. You're right. So that's why that pastor actually said to us, you need to find another new third thing. He didn't say third things, but I like that. For, <laughs> I like that idea. Isn't it a good phrase? Yeah. It's such a good phrase. Yeah. We need to find new third things. And it's hard if you have very different interests and if you're unwilling to circle back or bend to like if if dad says well I only like biking and I say I only like hiking then it's like bye I guess I'll never see you so you have to yeah, still no, be willing. the willingness is always there and that's again like right back to the growth mindset the growth mindset is always about being willing that's the first step but if you're willing there's a way <laughs> yes then you get out of the ruts the deep ruts in the road and you approach communication creatively and you have more third things that's right well i'm really thankful for this third thing with you mom me too podcasting was a really good idea you know? <laughs> that's fun and we'll talk about something else creative next week all right have a good week you too thank you for listening to hi mom let's talk if you liked hanging out with us please rate and review us on itunes we'd love to hear your feedback and your support
You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.